You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information visit commongroundcma.org. Alrighty, well, uh, I'm really glad to be um, here able to, to speak, even though I'm not able to be with every every single person, but I am thankful for the the width that I get with some of these people here. And I'm hoping that those of you at home watching are able to be uh, with some other people. I hope none of you are are alone by yourself. And even if you are, uh, I'm thankful that you're you're here with us and that uh, you're not really ever truly alone, um, because the Lord is is with you. He's with is with you wherever you're at. Um, so yeah, I get to, to jump into 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, the section that I've got is verses 3 through um, 12. Um, and so I, I invite you to, to open up to that and, and take a look. Um, as you may have guessed, uh, as kind of some of the, the themes we've been talking about and things, we're talking about hope today. And uh, we're, I'm just really excited to talk about that because uh, this is something that I think hope is a word that I've heard thrown around a lot and I've seen a lot, but it's not something I've ever really thought a lot about or it's not something that I had really had a good definition for. And I think it's something that was really on the heart of Peter. I think that's why it's what he jumps into so so early on in this letter that he wrote to these early believers of Jesus who were scattered um, all over the world. And, uh, and, and it's, it's exciting to me to get into something where I, I so often forget that Peter wrote this really awesome stuff. Sometimes my view is so fixated on him being um, kind of a bonehead sometimes, uh, and that's very relatable to me. And so I'm really, it's exciting to me to get into a book where we get to just see his heart poured out and him being very mature and him having all these experiences, both him being a bonehead and, and him responding really well to Jesus. He gets the whole conglomeration of that and then he gets to pack it all in two letters and, and we get to read that and benefit from it. So I'm excited to get to dig into some of that with you. It gives me good hope for, for my own future too because I can really relate to Peter and his, his, uh, his trials, the things he went through. Uh, so when I think about the word hope, I, I, I wanted to ask the question of myself, and I want, I want you to think about this question too. Um, when was the last time that you felt uh, hopelessness or hopeless? Um, and maybe not the last time, but when, when was a significant time that you felt hopeless? And how did you respond in that feeling of hopelessness? I think often we have two main responses. I think sometimes we'll see um, when someone begins to feel hopeless, They'll kind of reach out and attack. I mean, they just grab anything that they can. They try to get whatever they can get from the scenario or or force things. Um, And I think also maybe a a different side of things is we can begin to um, uh, just kind of give up, throw our hands up and and, and kind of quit when we feel hopeless. Um, That's definitely more my my bent is the the passive uh, apathetic kind of wanting to just quit. Uh, And so I was thinking, I asked myself this question, you know, when was the last time I felt Hopeless, or when, when was a significant time that I felt hopeless? And so I wanted to share a couple of stories with you guys about um, a couple of those scenarios. Um, and yeah, well, hopefully one of them is more lighthearted. It's a little bit, they're, they're both a little bit maybe somber, depending on your, your personality or how you take it. But 
we'll just see how it goes. So the first one has to do with me um, as a, I think I was a sophomore in college, uh, maybe a junior in college. I'm pretty sure I was a sophomore. And uh, I remember halfway-ish through the semester, I met this person, I think on the same floor as me, and he had this sweet uh, fish tank aquarium. And I, it was just really cool to me. Um, he had these like bigger cichlid fish, which are kind of like piranhas, but a little bit more tame. Um, so he would like feed them live fish, and they were really big and, and pretty exciting. And for whatever reason, that was just like the coolest thing to me. And I really wanted uh, an aquarium or a fish tank in my room. So I think maybe that night or the next night or something, I went out to uh, Petco or whatever, and I think I dropped like a, between 100 and 200 dollars on everything, all the all the gear, the the filters, the fish, the um, yeah, just just everything that I needed. I bought it all in one night, and I, I set it all up, and I was super excited. I think I bought like 15 different kind of fish, and they were all really cool, different ones. I tried to do my research, make sure they all you know jive together, and got a few of them that looked like eels, and I was just really excited about this fish tank. Uh, over the course of the rest of the semester, um, one by one, and sometimes two by two, uh, these fish died <laughs> until I got to pretty much the end of the semester and um, there was only one fish left. And as each one successively died, I, I watched my dream of this sweet fish tank, this cool aquarium that I had justified spending all this stupid money on, um, was, was dying. This dream was, was, was being cut shorter and shorter, and my, my hope for this, this ideal that I had, this awesome, cool fish tank, um, was, was slowly, slowly dying. So we get to the very end of the semester, and uh, I had made um, zero plans academically, uh, so I just waited to study until like the very last minute that I could with all my finals. Um, hopefully that's not too relatable for you college students. I hope that you spent you know, last week studying and, and um, all this semester preparing. Um, and I also didn't make any plans for for kind of my room and traveling and, and getting ready to go. So it was like the last day. It was like hours from when I needed to be checked out of the residence halls. And I hadn't, like I was supposed to get, either I was supposed to drive like three hours away or I was supposed to get in a plane and fly three hours away. Um, and I just hadn't made any plans. And so I suddenly realized that I had this this fish and all the residence halls were pretty much empty and I had nobody to give this thing to, and I, I just couldn't think of what else to do with this thing. And I'm not uh, super proud of this, but my solution, um, this this kind of last dying dream, this last hope, I had no hope of, of bringing this fish with me and having it survive. Um, so I scooped it up in a cup, and I dumped it in the toilet. And I didn't flush, and I don't know if that like is better for the fish or if that's worse for the fish, but um, that's... That's what I did. And I think, I, I hope, there's a part of me inside that just hopes that maybe the janitor found it later and like rescued it and it's still alive today and has a happy life, but I don't know. It's just kind of a, that's a hope I'll, I'll never have <laughs> confirmation of probably. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I'm not proud of it, but that's that was my response to this this hopelessness, both of this kind of dream of mine of having this really cool fish tank totally failing and the, the hope of keeping this fish alive um, didn't end up working out so well. Uh, and, and so that, I mean, maybe that's not like a super big deal. That's not a, that's not a, a huge uh, example. And so I was kind of thinking of some other things. And um, I remember, and something I've been processing through in the last few weeks, uh, is some stuff regarding my, my dad. So when I was in third grade, my mom and dad uh, got divorced. 
And since that point, he and I didn't have um, a super great relationship. It's not that we were like antagonistic towards each other. Um, just didn't see each other a whole lot. Uh, he was super interested in, in hunting and fishing and sports and rodeo. Um, and I wasn't interested in none of those things. Uh, so, so we didn't really have much in common or much to, to connect with. And so I remember from that point, um, I just always hoped for uh, a better relationship with my dad. I hoped for uh, a time where we could connect over something and, and have something in common and have something be the thing that we do uh, together. And uh, then when I was like 15, uh, my dad passed away. And so at that time, that hope that I held, which was, which was really high up on my list of the things that I wanted, um, was now gone. There was, there was no way for me to have um, a way to like reconnect with, with my dad anymore. Um, and so I think, you know, looking, looking back now at my behavior the rest of high school and then on into early college, um, I see, I see a lot of my, my apathy, uh, and my, um, kind of not really caring much about my academics or not really caring much about, um, some friend groups and stuff like that. I think a lot of that was, was just my poor response, uh, to this, this hopelessness that I was feeling. Um, I didn't know what to do with that or, or how to respond to it. And so I, I kind of did nothing. I let a lot of things, um, slide. Uh, and so this is something that probably all of us have experienced to, to one degree or another. I think this is definitely something I've seen uh, emphasized during the, the, the COVID-19 you know, aftermath. Um, we see both the, this principle that what you put your hope in um, is, is a big factor in, in what you then decide to do. Uh, because we've seen people who have put a lot of their hope in what they can get or what they have, um, and sometimes the response is just trying to get as much as they can, hoarding stuff or, or taking stuff or getting as much as they can set up for themselves um, before everything gets, gets really bad. And then we've also seen the other side where um, people have just kind of thrown their hands up in the air and said, well, I, don't, I, just, I have no idea what the future is going to look like, so I'm just I'm done. Why, why would I you know, keep investing time and energy into this thing, whether it's school or my job or relationship or whatever? Uh, when, when I have no idea what the outcome is going to look like. Um, there's been a lot of, a lot of hopes for the end of school or the end of, um, work or, um, different, you know, relationships or projects that have been dashed. And I think the response that we've seen to the, the lack of hope or the, or the dashing of those hopes has been, you know, extreme passivity or this weird, um, aggression, uh, in the form of, uh, grabbing things and panicking and taking what they can. Um, so, so probably you've noticed that. Um, I've for sure noticed that. Um, I've seen that the temptation in myself, too, of wanting to just kind of check out and, and be done with everything because everything just seems really up in the air. And I'm just so thankful that we're not stuck there. We don't have to be left in that position wondering how we regain hope or wondering what we're supposed to hope in or wondering how... Um, anything can be different than those those um, hopeless situations. Um, praise the Lord. He, he knew that we were going to experience these things. He knew that this was coming. And he spoke um, other places, but specifically today, we're going to look at him speaking through Peter to minister to, to us about what it looks like to have biblical hope. Um, so we're, we're going to look at that. And again, I hope, I hope the um, thing that we land on today is this understanding that where you place your hope 
is a huge factor in determining what your action is. So where you place your hope helps determine what your what your action is, or even your inaction. So what we're going to do is we're going to go into First Peter. We're going to read um, through chapter one, verses three through twelve, and then um, I'm going to go back through and um, touch on some things that I think Peter was trying to emphasize that I think we need to have emphasized to us because there's a lot of words in here that I think sometimes we can just um, have our eyes glaze over and, and stop stop thinking or paying attention when we start hearing some of these words. So I'll read it, and then I'll go back through and, uh, and uh, reemphasize some things. So 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now, there's a lot there, and there's, there's words in there that I think we hear all the time. There's words like mercy, um, grace, resurrection, um, joy, praise, honor, redemption, salvation. These are all words that I think we hear so often that sometimes we begin to just um, uh, stop, stop paying attention to, to what they really mean, the things that they're, they're really being uh, emphasized here. But I think Peter is writing this right here in this first, and this is one of the first things he's saying to set up not only the rest of his, this first letter, but I think he's, He's doing this in a way to help us kind of understand that this is the, the foundation, uh, or, or at least one of these founding blocks of what we, we rest the entirety of our lives on. This is, this is supposed to be at the bedrock of the rest of our life. And so I want to go through and, and emphasize some things, um, specifically in verses 3 through 6, but I'll, I'll go through all the way to verse, uh, verse 9. Um, and and this, this series is called um, Living the Good Life. We're going to ask that question of what does that mean to live the good life? And so I want you to, to pay attention to, to these verses as I read them again and think about these things and just imagine what this would look like and, and how good of a life it would look like if, if this was him describing your life or my life. So I'll start again, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
So Peter is saying, hey, the, 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 the initiator of this is God's great mercy. His, his desire that he would, he would give us not what we deserve, um, but that he would treat us with, with kindness in spite of us not deserving that. That's, that's what mercy is. So according to that great mercy, which is a founding chunk of his character, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Right? This isn't a hope that it's not just hope. It's a living hope. It's not an inactive hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not some um, theoretical hope that's that's put on a shelf to, that that's left and, and gets dusty. This is a hope that is that is active and it's living and it's doing things and experiencing things and causing action. And that living hope is being given through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this isn't some some blind faith causing this hope. This isn't just wishful thinking or optimism. This is hope that is embedded in this thing that Peter witnessed firsthand. He, he watched his Lord being taken and, and then killed. And then he got to experience firsthand being with Jesus again after he had resurrected uh, from the dead. So, so Peter knows the, the power of this statement. And he, he wants that to be communicated to us. That we would understand that this is grounded in something that really happened. This historical fact that Jesus died and raised again from the dead. It's that power. It is through that power of resurrection um, that we have this hope. And the hope is to, verse 4, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And those words to me really stick out. When we think about this inheritance, John 1.12 says, um, yet, to, yet to all who um, received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. And when we're talking about inheritance, we're talking about something passed down from a parent to their child. And so when we think about this, this inheritance, it's something that is, that is passed down. If we're believers in Jesus, that means we're sons and daughters of God. And so he's passing these things down, this inheritance that he's giving to us, is imperishable. It does not have an expiration date. He's not giving it to us, and if we don't um, utilize it to its fullest extent, it's going to be gone somehow. It, it is. It is given to us in a state that is. There's just no expiration date. It's just going to keep on going. It is undefiled. Um, he, he doesn't give us an inheritance that can then be corrupted by us. He doesn't give us something that is going to corrode over time or lessen in effect, uh, efficiency over time. Um, he's giving us something that will remain undefiled. It is totally and completely holy because it's from Him. And He is holy. And then finally, that inheritance is unfading. It's, it's not something that's just supposed to be really exciting and cool at the start, and then over time it just becomes this quiet reality. It's something that's meant to be, again, living and active and, and exciting and, and filling you with joy over the course of all of your life. And not only that, but it's going to get even better. It's going to increase rather than fade um, as we get closer to our time of being with the Lord again in, in heaven. And then lastly, he says that it's kept in heaven for you. So he doesn't give you this inheritance that allows you then to go take this physical thing and squander it. He doesn't give you this inheritance that lets you just set it somewhere and forget about it. He doesn't give you this inheritance that through handling it or misusing it, you're going to make it dirty somehow. He keeps it for you 
in heaven where you can't mess it up. You can't touch it. And not only you can't touch it, but nobody else can touch it. Satan can't touch it. We sang earlier about how we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I think we need to think about that, right? This inheritance has been purchased for us. It's been given to us, bought by God's power, bought by His blood. You tell me, is there anything more precious than the blood of Jesus? If you've been bought with His blood, can anything beat that? Jesus is the highest bidder. And His blood is so precious and so good that it makes it, it makes it so that this inheritance that He's giving to us is all these things. It's imperishable, it is undefiled, and it's unfading. And it's kept hidden, guarded away so that we can't mess it up and nobody else can mess it up either. And then he goes on to say, this is, this is done by God's power. We're being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's, it's God's power that's doing this. It's not, it has nothing to do with me, how well I perform or how well I, how much I think about it. It has everything to do with Him. His faithfulness, His power is guarding that. So in this, verse 6, he says, in this fact, the fact that God is the one who, who has the security, God is the one holding on to this inheritance that he's given to you. He says, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, at the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes those tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this inheritance, this hope, if we can fix our eyes on this thing and we think about it and we spend time meditating on it and and reveling in the fact that this is something He's given to us of His own goodness because of His character, it produces in us rejoicing that then results in praising and glory and honor for Jesus. It's not just about me feeling good or being excited or, or rejoicing, but it is about that because doing that ultimately brings glory and praise and honor to God and extends His kingdom. And this is, this is really beautiful, I think, for Peter. This is really special to him because he did see Jesus, but he says, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. And again, coming back to this this rejoicing, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the bedrock to the rest of First Peter. This hope, this hope that what Jesus has given to us when we trust in Him, that in His goodness and in His infinite grace, He gives us something that we then can't mess up. And we, we can't we can't defile it. We can't lose it because he's the one who's keeping it. He's holding on to it. And and if you're like me, when you when you really think about this, all I want to do is just praise the Lord for that. It just makes me so excited to know that I can't mess this up. It, it frees me up to do the things that I see Peter's going to be asking his, his people to do the rest of this the rest of this um, this rest of this letter. He's, he's starting it here. This is the foundation, the bedrock of everything he's going to tell us to do 
uh, because this is what it has to come from. We have to understand this and, and live here in order to do the other things with the right attitude. And so I think we see for Peter, this is where he places his hope. And out of that comes the actions that, that he has. And, and for us, the same thing, where we place our hope is going to help determine what we do. And so we need to sit and think and meditate and, and spend time really considering what this has to say. So often we read it and we just let it blow over our heads, but we, we have to slow down and think about this because it's, it's goodness and this is what he wants us to know. And so as we, as we kind of are, are coming to close here, thinking about, well, what do we, what do we do? Okay, we've started thinking about this, but, but what does that look like? How do we engage with this further? I think it'd be really good if the, the kind of the thing that we would do, the way that we would respond to this, um, is, is if you are alone and, um, it's just you there, man, spend the next like 15, 20 minutes just really reading through this over and over and over again. That's, that's what I had to do to kind of pull this out and realize this is, this is the crux of this, um, first part of this first chapter. Um, I just, I just read this over and over and over again and listened to it over and over and over again. And I started to see this, this theme arising, um, of, of hope. So I would encourage you to be doing that, that same thing. If you're in a group of people, um, would you spend some time after we're, we're done here, uh, speaking with each other and, and talking to each other about how you've already experienced this, different ways you've experienced this. Um, and, and in talking about it, just spend some time praising the Lord together. Um, time in prayer together, praising the Lord for His goodness, for His grace. Um, weeks ago, we just finished talking about Jesus um, making that ultimate sacrifice, going to the cross on behalf of us for our sins. There's, there's still so much to glean out of that and to think about in terms of that, for us to be talking and encouraging each other with that. So spend some time um, doing that today. And then, uh, if you would, if it would help you remember, or even if you don't know if it will help you or not, um, write those things down. Write, write down some ways that you can be um, praising Him. Write down your praises to Him um, and maybe share them with somebody else. Because that's what Peter's talking about here. He's saying that when you have this hope, the, the factor that comes out of that, just naturally what you're going to want to do is rejoice and, and praise and honor and glorify God. So let that be our response. Let's respond the way that Peter says that we will, by, by praising Him, by rejoicing, by glorifying and honoring the name of Jesus. And so as, as we close, um, if you would just pray with me. Um, just want, I want us to think about uh, what it would look like if, if every single one of us lived here every day. Because I, I know in my own life, when I'm thinking about these things, when I, when I really take time to meditate on them, and I, I slow down and really think about this, uh, it really changes my attitude. It makes me think about things differently. It gives me a different perspective. I, I stop living in fear of, of having to, to uh, work my way to heaven or, or having some sort of um, uh, earning anything uh, from God. And it helps me to understand that, man, He's just done all of that work for me, and that I get to enjoy His presence and His love. So what if that's where we were all at all the time? What if I was like that every day? What if you were like that every day? You know, how, how would that change things um, for you? What would, what would that look like if we, if we lived this way? 
But we know that in our rejoicing, we'd be bringing praise and glory and honor to Jesus. And that's, that's what we're made to do. So if we, if we make these things into, um, habits, if we make them into a part of our daily routine, our daily life, I think that we're going to see some really, really exciting and, and cool things happen. Uh, not only in our own life and the way that we view things, but also in the lives of, of other peoples, um, who are around us. So let me pray for us, uh, and we'll be, we'll be done here for the day. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for working through Peter, this guy who, um, is so relatable in that, um, there's, there's so much of his life that, uh, we get to see. And Lord, this gives me so much hope and excitement to know that, um, we can be encouraged by his writings and the things that you were saying to the people that he was interacting with. Um, we, we get to be, have that same encouragement that they did. And Lord, we, we need this. We need this hope. It's so easy for us to get off track and to start to put our hope in other things or to start to focus on things that are not the main hope. Um, but you've, you've promised us that this inheritance that we put our hope in is it's unchanging. It's immovable. It's uh, not possible for us to defile it or screw it up or make it dirty or lose it. And so I, I just thank you for that, Lord, that you've given us this, this deposit of the Holy Spirit that we get to experience right now the, the benefit of living in relationship with you. We get to be with you every day. And so I pray that our response today would be a time of that. We would spend some time meditating on the hope that you've given to us and the inheritance that you've given to us and that we would respond in a way that um, brings rejoicing from, from us, from our attitude, which would bring praising and honor and glory to you and to your name. And I pray, Lord, for anyone listening right now, anyone who is hearing this who has not yet put their trust in you, who has not yet um, received that inheritance from you, that they would do that uh, today, that in response to you laying down your life for them, uh, that they would lay down their life for you, uh, that they would take, take the trade and see that your life is better, that the one that you give, your plan, is sweeter. Your ways are just make way more sense, and they, they work better than ours do. Um, all we make and create of our own power uh, is death and chaos. But when you live in us, um, you make our desires good and you, and you make us work for things that are, that are righteous and holy. So I pray that all of us respond um, with, a, with a bowed knee to you and that our response in that salvation, in the receiving of that inheritance, whether it's today or it was weeks ago or months ago or years ago, We'd all respond in the same way today by rejoicing, focusing in on that hope that you've given us, rejoicing in its security because you hold it and having that result and the honoring and the praising and the glorifying of you for your kingdom and for your namesake. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.